So this Sunday, well, not just this Sunday, we're always blessed Sunday, amen? But this Sunday, this Sunday, it's, it's, it's particularly awesome because God is in his house, amen? God is on the throne. God is always taking care. God is always blessing. Amen? Amen? <laughs> I'm like, he is blessing, right? I mean, y'all aren't just going through the whole week just uh, uh, with your, your, your face in the mire and, and just uh, moaning and groaning, right? God is good. And all the time, there you go. There you go. I, I know sometimes we need a little push. Sometimes we need a little get up and go. You know, I was watching this movie the other day, and it, it just struck me. It, it always strikes me funny because I used to be from there, but not anymore. There was this lady said, uh, you know, um, talking to her son, she says, you know, it, it'd be nice if you got married. And if she could be from Pasadena, that much better. Amen? <laughs> I know, I know. Some of y'all are saying, come on. Ladera Ranch, that's where it's at. <laughs> well, praise God. Today, we have a, a wonderful preacher from, uh, well, not, not from Pasadena, but around there. But more importantly, uh, his heart is with the Lord. He's always looking to, to serve God. And, uh, and the good times and in the bad times, amen? He's always preaching the word. So without further ado. Pastor McIntyre. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning. Can you hear me? Amen. Yes, that was a pretty good uh, Pasadena try. Um, uh, yes, my uh, um, my family was from uh, South Pasadena. Let's get it correct. Uh, there's a there's a difference. There's a big difference between Pasadena and South Pass. Um, but uh, yes, my wife and I now, we are residing. Where do we live, honey? Uh, we live in Altadena, which is uh, upper Pasadena. Uh, so any, anything with a Dina in it, then yes, uh, it is expensive. But we live uh, with uh, some animals and it's quiet, uh, relaxing. We moved up the hill. We used to live down the hill. Uh, I guess that's how it works. Um, but uh, but good try. No, we love you. Uh, we'll, we'll invite you to our city uh, if you guys want to come. Well, it is really good to spend some time with you guys and see you. Uh, it's been a couple of months since I was here last time. Uh, I just uh, had a birthday. Uh, I am uh, officially 40 years old. Uh, and I have to tell you, uh, it doesn't feel good uh, getting older. Um, I, you know, I'm so old now that when I take a nap, I wake up and I sprain my ankle and uh, I have no idea officially how that happens. But uh, but I am I am getting old uh, officially. So if you're old with me, then uh, you might enjoy uh, the amen, sister. We just let's just <laughs> shout it out. Uh, I, I am old and I'm not getting uh, any younger. Yes, my hair is also getting gray. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, uh, and Tim, it's always, you know, uh, we're talking to Janice uh, and, you know, that's that's Tim's Tim's um, mom, right? Tracy. Tracy. That's what I meant. See, I told you, you got to blame it on my 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 oldness. 
Um, but we were trying to decide, Tim, how long have we actually known each other? Um, uh, we knew each other in our 20s, but Tim and I have known each other when we had more hair uh, and we were younger um, and we felt like we could overtake the world for Jesus. And, you know, we got married to wonderful wives, uh, better wives um, or really the best part of us and had kids and. Um, we remember when we had more hair and more energy, but, uh, but Tim, I think we've known each other for a better part of 20 years or more and, uh, just about. And, and that, that, that means that because we've known each other so long, we're good friends. And, uh, when a good friend calls and says, Hey, would you come and preach then, uh, for you, of course, uh, for Tim, I, I would do anything, but, uh, but that's not just, I'm not here just because of Tim. I'm here because, um, uh, I like to encourage you guys uh, with the word and um, uh, and it just encourage you this morning. Um, I do spend most of my days um, not just in Pasadena or uh, Bel Air, if you're uh, familiar with that reference. Um, I'm not the Fresh Prince of Pasadena, but 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 I do spend most of my days at the Union Rescue Mission where I am a chaplain. I'm actually the director of ministry there. I've been there so long uh, that they finally said uh, we'll give you something else to do. Uh, which just means I get to do a whole lot more um, uh, encouragement. And we have a very large staff that we um, help, that we encourage. Um, and I do spend a lot of my time there. But, you know, this morning has got me thinking about what are the what are the favorite things or what are the most important things? Or um, let's go back to the favorite things. Uh, what are the, the, the favorite places or the favorite people that I uh, get to spend time with? And uh, I was told uh, you guys have a business meeting one at twelve thirty when this is when this whenever this is over. Um, so uh, just kind of hang on. I am old and long winded. Uh, that's half my problem. Uh, so whenever this is over, I guess we'll have our our business meeting. Um, uh, that may not be your favorite thing uh, to do or your favorite thing uh, to spend time in. But um, but it's got me thinking about that. I didn't actually know that before we. Uh, started so thanks for inviting me before you have a business meeting so the pressure is on uh, for you guys um, uh, I'll, I promise your quarter one will go okay uh, uh, after this sermon uh, uh, hopefully um, but it got me thinking about uh, 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 the favorite p- uh, people that we get to spend time with I don't know about you guys but I love spending time with good friends I truly love spending time with good friends and I actually love uh, spending time with my wife uh, full disclosure, when I was preparing this uh, message, I thought uh, she wouldn't be here. She's traveling to China, uh, so I get to be a bachelor. Uh, Tim and I are, are going to go uh, paint the town red um, uh, next week. Um, she's giving me that look, so absolutely not. I'm going to be at home uh, spending some wonderful time uh, just making sure the house runs smoothly, my love. I do want to stay married. Um, So that's full disclosure. When I was preparing this, I picked a a different favorite person that I like spending time with. Um, uh, But first it would go, let's just because I want to stay married. I've been married for uh, as long as I've known uh, Tim, uh, which is quite a while. Um, uh, My my favorite person is is you. Uh, That's my wife, Christy. And uh, my second favorite person to spend time with uh, uh, Tim, you'd be third. But my second favorite person to spend time with uh, right now is my daughter. Uh, I have a seven year old daughter. She is absolutely crazy. She gets that from her mother, uh, which is fantastic. Again, uh, full disclosure, I didn't know she would she would be there. So uh, I guess she gets it um, mostly from me then. 
Um, but no, she, she's crazy. And, uh, you know, my daughter, um, she says things to me that are absolutely ridiculous sometimes. Uh, and she says things to me, if you have little ones or if you don't, and you're that kind of person that likes to say crazy things and you're in good company. Uh, we're all here together as a church family and we're going to share uh, just the crazy things that we say to each other. And my daughter um, likes to say very crazy things uh, to me. I uh, uh, just the other day and uh, full disclosure again, when I say the other day, it could have well been five years ago uh, or it could have been last night. If you ask my wife, she'll admit that my sense of time is, is quite biblical. I spend my time in the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, as God says, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Well, I'm the same way. Uh, so when I say the other day, uh, it could have been two years ago or it could have been last night. It's your choice to decide when that was. Uh, but uh, the other day, my daughter, um, I was explaining to my daughter the finer points of LCD lighting. Uh, which is, of course, what you want to explain to a child. And uh, we were putting up some lighting in our in our in our uh, out outside and some we had some LCD rope lights and I was spending all day trying to get it all uh, uh, a set. And, and, and I was explaining to her the finer points of LCD lighting. And in the middle of my wonderful story, uh, which I if I don't say so myself, she stopped me and said, Daddy, can I have some popcorn in the middle of my explaining what LCD uh, lighting was and and I said wait well, but I'm I'm you're interrupting me I'm finishing my story and she said well no, no I know I just didn't know how long it was going to take you to finish so I was hoping I could just have something to eat you know while you just kind of go up and down like a movie um, and, and, and you know you can finish but I'm just waiting for you to finish uh, so I was hoping I just have something to eat in the meantime um, that was that was that's that's what my crazy uh, daughter said to me, uh, and it's actually what she says to me, uh, quite frankly, all the time. Uh, she, uh, the other day, I, I'm sitting on the couch, which is one of my favorite pastimes, uh, and she said, Daddy, were you active when you were uh, my age, when you were young? Um, and I said, well, of course I was. And I said, well, why would you say that? She said, well, Daddy, I think you're just like a really good watcher uh, <laughs> of, like, stuff. Uh, and I said, well, you mean like just like watching the TV? She's like, yeah, you're just like really good at just sitting and watching stuff. Um, of course, she meant it uh, sincerely. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a burn, right? Like when your child tells you, asks you a leading question like that, like were you active when you were a kid? Uh, and then you're a really good watcher. It just kind of makes you take pause. But but I hope you can see I'm trying to give you the idea that uh, my daughter is actually uh, fun to spend time with, because uh, quite frankly, the things that come out of her mouth are absolutely crazy. Um, I like spending time with her because I like to see how she sees the world. If you spend time with children, what you love is is watching them experience the world for the first time, uh, whether whatever it is, uh, first movies, first ice creams, uh, all of that. What makes sense to her? I, I love watching what makes sense to my daughter. Uh, and, and, and what doesn't make sense. And I know I'm not alone in this. We all have that favorite person. We all have that favorite person that we like to ask questions from. Am I right? Excuse me here. Uh, I'm, I am getting old and my ears are wobbly and, and this thing feels a little wobbly, but uh, we're going to figure this out together. Um, um, we all have that favorite person. Am I right? We all have that favorite person that we like spending time with. And we all have that favorite person that we actually like asking questions 
from. And I can't help but think of the early church and the apostles themselves in this way as I read and study the word of God. Uh, what makes sense to them? What doesn't make sense to them? And, you know, I like the disciples and I like the apostles and I, and I love their position on things in the sometimes crazy way that they say it. Uh, and I, I love the way they go about their task of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. And I, I get jealous at times when I hear stories and I read the scriptures about how folks got to spend time with Jesus and how they got to spend time with his crew. I wonder if I could even spend time with his crew, would I get close enough to who that person Jesus would be? And so uh, without uh, uh, any further encouragement, uh, would you open your Bibles as we spend time in Acts? We're going to be in Acts. We're going to talk about the apostles. And if you would be in Acts chapter four, uh, we are going to spend some time uh, being encouraged by how they spent time with Jesus. My message this morning will be an encouragement to you as you go throughout this week in this process as a community to how we spend time with Jesus. And quite frankly, what does it look like when others recognize that we have been with Jesus? So we'll be in Acts chapter four. I'm going to read the entire uh, chapter. Um, um, actually, I'm not. Um, we I'm going to stop in verse twenty two. Um, so Acts chapter four. Verse 1 through 22. When you're there, give me an amen. Amen, we are there. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and they put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes, they were gathered together in Jerusalem and Annas, the high priest, was there and uh, Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire uh, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis to which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. We'll stop there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Um, uh, friends, I there's a lot happening here, but there's some really, really uh, good stuff. And I have to give you um, just a little bit of uh, context here. Uh, Peter and John actually just healed someone. Um, the text says at the very end here, um, moving on, verse 18, uh, that they, he's standing with someone in which a miracle that no one can deny. And the entire Jerusalem community is praising God as a result. As we read from the very beginning, 5000 people were added to the ranks, rosters, to the lists of those who understood Yeshua Christ, who believed in the Messiah and said, we're all in because of these miracles that are happening even after we crucified your leader. Does anyone, uh, if, if, if you're keeping score, does anyone uh, remember uh, the man that they actually healed in Acts chapter 3? If you don't, it's okay. I'm not going to judge you. Um, I will uh, officially. I'll just, I just won't say anything too late. I already did. Um, I'm just kidding, of course. You guys remember the name? You remember what happened? The context is found in Acts, uh, actually, chapter 3. Uh, the verse that I want to get to is really um, it found in verse uh, 14. Well, really, verse 13. But in order to get there, um, we may have to spend a little bit of time. I'll tell you what. Let's just spend a few seconds here reading uh, in Acts chapter 3. Um, just to give you a context about why they were so freaked out and why they were uh, put in front of the same crew that actually crucified Jesus. The same crew that crucified Jesus has now grabbed Peter and John and they started with the same process. If you go to Acts chapter three, just, you know, just a, even a half a glance over, uh, you'll read. In the very beginning, and I guess I'll read until um, the Lord tells us to stop. Um, now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. Uh, mother's womb means what? 
from birth. Am I right? A man who has been lame. Uh, that doesn't mean that he was lame because he didn't know good rock music or anything like that. Or he couldn't, you know, uh, play in the, the worship band here at church. No, lame means that he couldn't actually walk. Right. That he had to be carried along whom they used to set down every single day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful in order to beg for alms to those who were entering the temple. And when they saw Peter and John go about in the temple, they began asking. He began asking to receive alms or to receive alms. But Peter, uh, along with John, they fixed their gaze on him and said, look at us, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter, uh, Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood up. He stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had Happened, And while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the uh, 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 at the so-called portico of Solomon. And they were full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? And why do you gaze at it as, as if it was by our own uh, uh, power or piety that we made him walk? Then God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has has glorified his servant, Jesus, the whom uh, whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God has raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses now. And now on the basis of faith in his name, it is in the name of Jesus, which we have strengthened this man on whom you see now, uh, uh, you see and know, and to the faith which comes through him, he has given him the perfect health and the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you uh, acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. Uh, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled Therefore, repent in return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come to the presence of the Lord. And he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the ancient time. Moses said, uh, the Lord God will raise up from the prophet like me, your brethren to him. You shall give heed. To everything he says, and it will be that every soul that does not heed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets whom uh, uh, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward has announced these days. It is uh, you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God has made uh, of your father, saying, Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed for you. First, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Amen. We just covered a lot of biblical ground, did we not?
But you see what happened in this man's life. Peter and John uh, reached down and looked at this man who was uh, uh, how, how many years was he lame? Forty years. Do you know the average life expectancy of a first century Palestinian Jew uh, when Jesus and uh, the apostles were walking the earth? Did you know? Do you know the average age? No charge for this. About thirty eight years old. So this man is already in the grave and he's officially uh, been lame from birth. And Peter and John reach down and look very, quite frankly, it's very Jesus-like, am I right? Uh, Jesus would often look at folks and he would look at them and say, uh, I see you, uh, I see you, I see you, come here, I see you. Peter and John actually heal this man through the power of Jesus Christ and everyone loses their mind like they hadn't seen it before. It's crazy. They have already seen this work happen. I mean, Jesus was like raising people from the dead and healing all sorts of illnesses. And so Peter and John take some courage and it takes some moxie, some strength to be able to tell the very people who said, what? You put the guy on whose name in which the power we are displaying now, you already put him to death. And you asked for a murderer instead. So let me go ahead and tell you again uh, what happened. Right. That's what uh, Peter and John are doing. And the entire high priestly family figures out, oh, great, they're at it again. And they just happen to pick an individual that no one could dismiss. Jesus has done the same thing. Uh, if you remember your Bibles well, Jesus has also done the same thing with a 38 year old man uh, who was brought to the Bethesda uh, gate or the sheep gate, um, uh, the, the five roof colonnades uh, when he healed the man uh, who was lame since birth that they would bring. What's amazing about what we're about to uh, spend some time in uh, is how this even happened to begin with. It happened because Peter and John um, used, not just used, but believed uh, the one whom has already come, namely Jesus himself. And I think being around Jesus and why I get jealous about these stories and why I want to spend time with these men is because if they could do something like that, man, what could we do? If we had spent some time with Jesus. Friends, does it make sense why the ruling class, why the same crew that crucified Jesus now shows up and tries to grab and they physically put their hands to arrest Peter and John? Does it make sense why they arrested him? Yes. Yes, Mike, it makes perfect sense of why they arrested him, because he's doing the exact same thing that Jesus. They're doing the same thing that Jesus did when he was walking on the earth. And they said, we have got to put a stop to this. We thought we put a stop to this. And Peter and John now don't just charge the people. They charge the leaders themselves. So what we see, if we go back to chapter four, which we'll spend some time in, and as they were speaking, the people and the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them and they were like, what's up? What you doing? No, they didn't say it like that. They arrested them 
because they were teaching the resurrection of the dead. Uh, The Sadducees uh, and this group did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's what makes them distinct and different. And they were freaking out because... Uh, that, uh, just to let you know, the temple guard uh, has just a, uh, as much authority uh, as the high priest. It's like the second in command. Uh, it's kind of what they call me at the mission. Um, not officially high priest or the temple guard. Uh, they call me the temple guard. Uh, but uh, you get you get the idea. Um, so they didn't believe in the resurrection uh, of the dead. Um, a way to think of them. Uh, my daughter and I have been watching Harry Potter. I know uh, we'll pray for me later. Uh, uh, it, the way to think of them is like the the Death Eaters uh, in uh, the Harry Potter series. Um, uh, uh, for what for whatever that's worth, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to keep them all straight. So I like to think of the Sadducees as Death Eaters. Um, they probably wouldn't like me saying that now, but that's OK. They're dead. Uh, <laughs> they've been long dead. So I guess I get to say it. Um, but uh, Peter and John get arrested right quickly. They're put in jail. They have to appear before everybody in the morning and they share in Jesus's name that they were healed. Um, and and then they stand in front of a crowd and they stand in front of these leaders and they say something. What I really want to focus on is verse 13. If you're with me there uh, in verse 13 of Acts chapter four, it says, and now as they observe the confidence of Peter and John, the confidence of Peter and John, and they understood that they were uneducated, uh, not from Pasadena and uh, untrained men, definitely not from South Pasadena. They were amazed and began to recognize them as Having been, are you with me, with Jesus? That should give you goosebumps. That should awaken that new creature inside of you. The eyes of the new creature in your heart should be praising out to God now because of what they recognized in the midst. The same crew that crucified the very one they are talking about They recognized they took a a break. They took some time. The text says they uh, I'm adding they may have even written down. They waited a while. They thought to themselves. They took a breath. They took a break. They said, oh, yeah, that's right. They have been influenced by Jesus. They had been with Jesus, I believe that spending time with Jesus will show up in our lives in a few important ways. So let me encourage you this morning about what I I see as some opportunities for us to be a community of believers that are recognized as those who have been with Jesus. The first uh, recognizable trait as I get to see it is That if we spend some time with Jesus, our character will get a little bit better. Folks with character uh, have high integrity. Am I right? They're willing to stand up to principle. Remember that when you're having your business meeting. Their values are clear to all of those who are around them. Folks with character are leaders. Their words and their actions become extremely consistent. 
And that's the hardest part about having character is that others expect you to always be consistent. I'm a leader at the mission. Um, I am a, a, a big boss and I don't like that because it's tough to be a boss. It's tough to always say and do the consistent right thing. I am human. Uh, if you are not convinced, I know looking at me, there's a small halo above my head. Uh, you can ask my lovely wife. <laughs> she will tell you or my good friend, Tim, and they'll tell you how uh, regular and average I am. Uh, one street theologian, one of my favorite uh, street theologians who has uh, since passed on just a few months ago, used to tell me a very, very the- highly, highly theological. I'm, I can't believe I'm giving you guys so much good stuff. I had to pay thousands of dollars in a seminary education. I'm still trying to pay off uh, to, to give you this free good stuff. But he gave me a wonderful theological term and it was called Mike, you got to be about it. Just to let you guys know, it's a it's, I know it's difficult to, to, to get in your brains, but he would share with me. You got to be about it. It's a again, it's a highly theological term found in first flesh Elonians one nine. But it is. And, and, and he would say, Mike, you got to be about it. And so he'd say, Mike, when you go to the store, you need to be about it. When you go put gas in your car, when you go to school, when you pick your kids up, when you uh, are eating even gummy bears, which is one of my favorite pastimes. Mike, you got to be about it. Whatever you're doing, you need to be about it. When I'm drinking, uh, uh, I've been going through some health stuff, so I'm not able to drink it right now, at least. But when I'm drinking my double soy upside down, one pump vanilla tall or grande, depending on the mood, upside down caramel macchiato. I got to be about it. I got to be about it. That means that I know the barista, right? That means that, that, that I'm the same consistent person wherever I go. I am lactose intolerant. That's why I need the soy. But I got to be about it, right? When I'm taking my lactose pills. Character is tough, friends, because it requires not just doing what's right and hoping others will follow along. Character is tough because it gets in your face and it holds you accountable. That's character. That's real character. It doesn't matter how old we are. We know it when we see it. That's character. Peter and John tell the rulers of Israel, get ready for it. Their character shows up. We're going to continue to do and say that it was Jesus who did this. That's doing the right thing. That's standing up. Spending time with Jesus gives us godly character in the face of giants. Have you ever faced giants in your life? Amen. Spending time with Jesus gives you godly character in the face of really smart people. Have you ever been around really smart people that intimidate you? I have. It gives us character. Spending time with Jesus 
gives us character to speak the truth without wavering in front of politicians like the mayor of Los Angeles and telling him, you better be about it. When we talk about homelessness and we talk about the Christians who are doing a better job to end homelessness than the one billion dollars they're putting towards it in the county. Young and old, wise and foolish, spending time with Jesus shapes your character. If you lack character, friends, spend some time with Jesus. The second trait, I think that it moves us to when we spend time with Jesus is courage. I'm going to alliterate this morning a little bit because we've got character and now we have courage. Find some other Christian C words and we're all good. If you if you like to. Jump ahead, but we're going to look at courage, courage. When you when you when you think of courage in the Bible, who do you normally think of? Do you think of David, right? Or Joseph? I mean, that guy, ugh, his brothers talk about family. I mean, f- dysfunctional families, right? They really put the fun in dysfunction. Um, they what, what happened with Joseph? His brothers like sold him to slavery. Right. Because they were all me. Um, that's my highly uh, theological expression of understanding the Hebrew. They were like me when uh, he was a favorite son in a favorite house. But you wouldn't normally think of Peter, would you? When you think of courage. You wouldn't, would you? No, you absolutely shouldn't. Because um, if you're keeping score, Peter did what when Jesus was crucified? Yeah, he ran. Now, how far did he run? So far that we don't hear about him for a while. He actually did follow Jesus, right? And remember, he got clowned by about a nine to 12 year old girl. Like, hey, aren't you one of those guys? Like my daughter, right? Hey, weren't you one of those guys that was following Jesus? That's how I think that I'm sorry, I, I make these my these these sounds up in my head when I'm reading the scriptures. It helps it keep alive for me. But like, weren't you one of those guys that was following Jesus? And he's like, man, girl, I don't know. Like, whatever, kid, like, psh, be gone with you. And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, come here. And she grabbed her friends like, isn't he one of those guys that was with Jesus? And he's like, girl, leave me alone. What did you talk? Well, go find your mom or dad before I give you a whooping. Right. But now he had got a whole bunch of people around him. Right. And he was like, man, I swear he's telling a nine year old, perhaps even the youngest, a nine year old girl. I swear to the Lord, I don't know this man. Right. By the third time. No, really. Now she has everybody chanting. Isn't he one of those guys that was around Jesus? And then he heard what he said he would never do, which is deny the Lord. And then he ran away because he was afraid as they were this same group. Friends, are you with me? The same group that he ran away from, he's now standing in front of. Doesn't God redeem and restore all of our stories? Look what they're doing now. You think this would be lost on Peter? It's not. He He's in the moment he's remembering. Now he doesn't need a nine year old girl. Aren't you one of those guys that follow Jesus? Now it's yes. And I'm going to tell you it's the name above all names that has bring and brought healing to a nation. And five thousand were added 
How could Peter and John display this type of courage? Friends, are you willing to speak up? Like these two men, are you willing to stand alone to do what's right instead of what's easy? These are tough, critical, difficult questions. Many people like to think that they'll somehow rise to the occasion and show great courage in the face of crisis, but very few do. I served in the military. I served in Iraq. I was in combat in 2003. And some of the biggest, strongest men were the first ones that were crying. I need to spend time with Jesus. They didn't quite say it like that. But we know what courage is. Being shot at, wondering what you'll do. It's unrealistic to think that you'll have great courage in the time of crisis if you don't have it now. Courage is actually developed through a conscious effort over time. Uh, Colonel Eric Kale. Colonel Eric Kale is the course director at military leadership at West Point. Kind of an important place. He explains courage as hoping or thinking that we will be courageous when a critical moment arrives as a cowardly approach. We cannot become someone in 30 seconds we haven't been in the past 10 years of our lives. The critical truth of courageous leadership lies in how we live each day, not just flashes of it in the extreme. Courage must be developed through conscious practice and personal commitments like spending time with Jesus. One way to practice our courage is to force ourselves to speak whenever we see someone being abused or something is unethical, quite frankly, or improper behavior or something that, you know, is truly unfair. I'll never forget. um, I was uh, on the bus with uh, my daughter and we uh, were on the train and we had tapped our card and we realized uh, oh, I didn't know if there was any money on it. I was assuming there was. I was running a little bit late and I tapped the card and got on the got on the train and a sheriff comes r- right after. And as he's uh, uh, spending as he's going through the the train, that particular cab, you know, taking one ride just to see who has money on their tap card and who doesn't. He came to me and uh, lo and behold, I didn't have any money on it. And he said, hey, next time, why don't you get that uh, taken care of? And the guy sitting next to me was African-American and he got a ticket. And I said, Sheriff, I don't think this is right. And the guy sitting next to me said, thanks for saying that. And the guy said, "Ah, I didn't give you a ticket, did I? And then he walked off the train. I didn't get a chance to have another opportunity to talk to him. And the guy was so upset he wouldn't even give me the ticket so I could help him pay it. Talk about unfair and proper treatment. That happens every single day. Having courage, though, whenever we see it, it isn't easy. But showing courage becomes less difficult, I can tell you, the more you practice it. I walk the streets of Skid Row where murderers and rapists and the people that we would generally like to forget end up and I spend time with them, loving them and showing them who Jesus is. Courage becomes easy when it's a part of our everyday life. Peter and John were recognized as having courage. 
by the same group that crucified Jesus, by the same court that found Jesus guilty and sent him over to the Romans to be executed. Peter and John knew what would happen to them because it already happened to Jesus. Yet they still displayed and said words of courage. They didn't get there overnight, but they got there. Isn't that the point? They got there. Amen. They got there. You may not be there now, but spend some time with Jesus and you will. You'll get those opportunities. The third recognizable trait that we see when we spend time with Jesus, the first is. What did we say the first was? Now, there we go. Character. The second we said was courage in the face of. Of absolute giants. The third is we see commitment. Man, I feel like a military. This is like a honor, courage, commitment speech, uh, but it's not. It's a sermon I trust, and there's no uh, recruiters here, so uh, so I'm not getting paid by, by by anyone. But it felt like that a little bit. But it is commitment. Spend a day with those who spend time with Jesus and you'll quickly see their level of commitment to God themselves and their way they order their lives and their approach to loving others. Spend a day with someone who's spending time with Jesus and you'll see how they make a commitment to God themselves and others. The disciples themselves, they took a while to get there. But once they did, they did some amazing things. Am I right? They did. I have this weird thing. Uh, I have a lot of weird things. I'm half Canadian or my mother was Canadian. That's half my problem. Um, any Canadians in the house? OK, we don't need to pray for you then. I've had this weird thing where I like to read stories about how the disciples were executed. Uh, and how they were murdered for the faith. It's kind of weird. I know you're looking at me. I feel a little judgment right now. Can I just be honest? I feel a little judgment. But listen, the disciples did some amazing things. Um, church tradition uh, says that uh, John died of old age. So good for him. Um, actually, Jesus kind of promised him that. Um, and we've got those great letters. But uh, Peter, you guys know how Peter was, uh, how, how Peter died, uh, keeping his commitment to Jesus. Crucified which way? Upside down. And why was he crucified upside down? He's crucified upside down because he said, I don't deserve to be crucified the same way Jesus was. Right. Okay, I I, I wouldn't like that. Uh, What about Paul? You guys know about the Apostle Paul? How how did he die? That's right. He got his head served up on a plate, right? With some hummus and some Jerusalem bread or something like that. Um, But he was beheaded. Uh, Andrew was also crucified. Thomas was speared by not one, not two, not three. Count them four soldiers. Matthew was stabbed in Ethiopia. Sorry, Matthew. Philip was beaten to death. That sounds not like a lot of fun. Uh, Bartholomew, he was straight up martyred. They don't say exactly how, uh, probably because we don't have a lot on on uh, why. Uh, Simon was killed for not worshiping another god. Um, James was stoned and clubbed to death as if the stoning wasn't enough. Luke was hanged in Greece. Uh, Jude was shot with arrows. That doesn't sound fun. Barnabas and Stephen were both stoned. And it takes a lot to die for something that you believe in. And here's just a few examples. 
But these men were committed and women were committed in the early church and they suffered incredible persecution. You guys know one of Nero's uh, favorite ways to persecute Christians in about the third century. Yeah, uh, he didn't have enough lighting. Um, again, uh, it wasn't LCD lighting because the technology wasn't invented. He just thought it'd be great to use human beings to light them. And he would specifically light them on his torch in his outside garden as the uh, uh, Roman and or as the uh, yeah entire Roman, you know, legions and all these, you know, wonderful, I guess, uh, uh, Caesars would walk around and just be like or, you know, politicians would be like, yes, and drink their wine. Um, like I do in Pasadena and then uh, just and be instead of having LCD lighting, just uh, have my entire garden lit by human beings um, um, uh, as a fun way to uh, encourage the crowd. Pretty crazy. Um, and there was a lot of those Christians that are not named that were actually martyred that way. But it takes a lot to die for something you believe in. Am I right? It does. Right. I remember when I was young in love, I would tell my my then girlfriend, now wife, like, I would die for you. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I would. <laughs> Can I sleep on someone's couch tonight? Ouch. I, did, I didn't mean it that way. Uh, make me nervous. Uh, these disciples were committed to the end. Am I right? They were committed to the end. They were committed. One person who doesn't get much credit is Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. What kind of commitment must that must. It must have taken for Mary to say yes and Joseph to believe her. You guys ever think about that story? I do a lot. Maybe because where I work at the Union Rescue Mission, uh, I hear a lot of those stories. I hear a lot of uh, single parent stories. But would you believe Mary and Joseph? You wouldn't. Let's be honest. Neither would I. I would be like, oh, sure. Yeah. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. Uh, sure about that. Right. We know how biology works. And if you don't, uh, your parents will teach you if you're younger. But you get the idea. Am I right? I would. You wouldn't have believed them. I would not have believed them. What commitment it must have took to say that out loud. But yet they did. The Bible is littered with examples of those committed to Jesus. Friends on the other side of, well, on the side of heaven, we're going to hear stories of those who are committed to Jesus to the end. We're going to spend our lives. We're going to spend the eternity loving and hearing the stories of those that were never shared. That were um, never made available because their lives were taken short because of the commitment they made to Jesus. Friends, if you're keeping score and you have your Bibles as brethren men and women, we do believe Jesus is coming back. Amen. Amen. And time is coming soon when we will experience persecution. Amen. Amen. We may be in it now. We may not. Um, I just I'm a coward at heart, so I'd like to be gone. That's why I like the uh, uh, rapture. I like the pre-trip position um, officially because it means that I don't have to be here when all that happens. But there's well-meaning Christians who believe that what? That uh, uh, that we're going to have to go through it. Um, I'm really hoping they're wrong. 
Uh, I think I parsed the Greek better than I got a. Well, I didn't. I failed the first time. So, uh, okay, but you get the idea. Am I right? Uh, there's a time when there's going to there's coming a time when ex, when persecution will happen, and we're going to have to make us make some commitments. But the Bible is littered, and our lives are littered with the times when we have been committed to Jesus, when it doesn't make sense. In the face of jobs, in the face of others that uh, ridicule us and think that we're foolish because we believe the things that we do. The last recognizable trait that we see, that that I see at times um, when we spend time with Jesus, it causes us to be compassionate. It's my favorite word. Because compassion moves us from inaction, friends, always, always, and twice on Sunday, to action. Compassion looks at others intently as Peter and John and it says, look at me, let me hear you out. That's what I get to do at the Union Rescue Mission. I get to hear others out and look at them intently, not as dismissed, but as children of God. Let me hear you out. Let me let me intently on your bulletins. It says what? On the cover, be intentional. Spending time with Jesus means we can be intentional. If you're not, that word will never make sense to you. Compassion allows us to look at others intently as Peter and John and said, what I have is better than money. What I have is a chance to see Yeshua himself. And I'm going to show you his power. So stand up in Jesus name. That's powerful. Compassion changes our outlooks. It changes our agendas. It moves in circles that we can't imagine because God is already there. It changes the way we treat others. I am a chaplain because God gave me his eyes for those on Skid Row. I would have never chosen that. Uh, That was not my calling. It was to be a brother and pastor. It was to... Um, uh, stay perhaps in South Pasadena. Um, Norwalk's too far. God love you, but it's too far. Uh, it's just too far. Uh, keep me in my happy, holy, healthy huddle as I see it. And God gave me his eyes and broke me to my core. God gave me a glimpse of what it looks like to have his compassionate eyes for others. I'll never be the same. I will die serving those that can't serve themselves because I've seen God in them. And God has given me his eyes in a way that most of us um, don't see. And that's because we spend time with Jesus and ask for his eyes. So this is what brings this text together, friends. It starts with compassion. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. It's not early. They're rushing. They're busy pastors. An hour of prayer and a man who had been lame from birth since his mother's womb was being carried and they stopped. That moment changed the course of 5,000 people's lives that day. That's fantastic. They healed a man who was crippled because compassion, compassion of Christ. 
Jesus was constantly moved with compassion in all he did. And no charge for this, but do you know how many times Jesus was moved with compassion in the Gospels? Neither do I. That's why I said no charge for this. I was hoping someone did. Guys, it's a lot. It's fantastically a lot. I think compassion is being synonymous with personal warmth. It also implies um, selflessness. Compassionate folks show concern for each other and for each individual uh, that they come in contact with. They're intentional. They look at them directly and say, come on, join me in my life's journey here. In the interactions, you see that they care. You guys have some friends like that? You have some people like that? Spend some time with Jesus and you'll see it the way it's supposed to be done. Friends, I don't pretend for a second that spending time with Jesus is going to be easy. Um, In fact, I can promise that if you spend some time with Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. Uh, I've been going through some health stuff. We can't figure out why. Uh, I did officially uh, have an MRI a couple of uh, weeks ago, and um, they officially found out that I was finally a genius. So I was I was so uh, my wife. I know we were we were on pins and needles waiting for God to describe the the geniusness of it all. But no, they said uh, my brain is uh, my head's quite large. My brain's quite small, but we're going to be okay. Um, spending time with Jesus um, affects us. It affects our body. It affects our emotional, psychosocial person. It does. And it's not always going to be easy because spending time with Jesus means that you're a target for that great adversary that we don't like to talk about. Persecution is a blessing, though. I'm seeing that now because it keeps us focused. It keeps us focused on why we're going through this persecution. It's not fun, friends. What they say about us, what we do to each other, but it keeps us focused. It can keep us pure if we spend time with Jesus. The disciples knew this all too well. Friends, I know we know this as well. The power of the story is not in their persecution. Let me be clear. But it's that others recognize that they had been with Jesus. Persecution is going to happen if you're with Jesus. It happens in, the own, in, our, in our own churches. Let's not act like it doesn't. But the story is about they were recognized as spending time with Jesus. How can you tell how someone has been around Jesus? It's not how smart you are. It's not where you come from. It's not your zip code. It's not how much you know about the Bible. I had to learn that. Or how much influence you have. Or your intellect. Or your money. Or your education. Or your parents' faith. It's Jesus alone. Can you see their character changed? Do they have courage? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself this week. Do you see a changed character? Do you see courage? Have you seen a commitment to God, themselves, and others? Do they experience and display compassion? 
What will they say after you leave them? Will they be thinking of Jesus? Will they say, you are someone that I recognize has been with Jesus? Is this how we will be defined? Friends, these uncommon men and women were able to do things that we can only dream of because they were recognized as having spending time with Jesus. Friends, I want to encourage you deeply. Spend some time with Jesus. He's good. You'll find character. You'll find strength. You'll find commitment. You'll find courage. And it'll show up in the way that we are compassionate towards others. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity. Thank you for the lives of Peter, of John. Father, we thank you for this man, this man who was born lame, who stood to his feet declaring, Yeshua, you are the Mashiach, you are the Messiah, the coming, you are the one that came. God, we declare you are coming back. Give us courage to wait it out. This world is increasingly gross. Our politicians are gross. Our churches at times look gross. Give us courage, a commitment, character in the face of giants. Jesus, give us your eyes. We need your compassion. We plead, Jesus, that we would be the ones in Norwalk spending time with Jesus. As these other churches gather, we know we're not the only shop in town. But we want to be known as those spending time with Jesus. Give us what we need. Encourage us. Move us to the type of compassion that changes the face of this community, this city, this county, this state. Jesus, we ask that you would give us opportunities to spend time with you. And if not, show us. Because we offer ourselves this morning in Jesus' name for his sake. Then our good. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you.